What's up, guys? It is your friendly neighborhood black man, Jamar Burke, a.k.a. the sophisticated black man, here to bring you another episode of the Sophisticated Black Man Podcast, a podcast where I talk about what it's like to be a black man in America from someone who's black, sort of. This episode, um, I really thought about what I wanted to do episode-wise, um, as far as what I wanted the next episode to be. I was, I was thinking on the terms of wanting to do something that was kind of happier, but I thought to myself, I don't, this isn't the episode to do that, um, so... I thought, why not do an episode about something that probably a much-needed episode for a lot of people right now. Um, and today's topic that I'm going to attack is going to be mental health um, and the, the stigma that Black people in America, uh, specifically black men, um, carry the stigma that, you know, we don't go through mental health or we don't have mental health problems and we just kind of blow everything up and kind of keep it inside instead of addressing the issues that we have going on. And it's the same for black women too. Um... Because I think, you know, tragedy and other stuffs have played, you know, black people in general, that we've kind of just put up a curtain of, our, you know, to separate what we're feeling inside versus what how we're looking on the outside. We kind of just put up that curtain, kind of blanket those feelings because, you know, to express how we truly, truly are going through, um, might seem, it might make us seem weak in a sense. And, um, you know, it, it's not something that should be characterized as weak. Um, because mental health is a very hot button topic, but it's a very important talk about topic to talk about because so many of us are going through some of the same mental health issues. Some might be more, you know, might be less severe than others, but nonetheless, it's it's something that a lot of us are going through, and you know, a lot of what that is brought on is due to the pandemic um, that's the number one that was probably the number one cause of um, mental health issues uh, the number one reason that mental health issues were on the rise um, because you had a lot of people that are out of work a lot of people getting sick a lot of people were dying from COVID a lot of loved ones that were trying to figure out what they were going to do um all this type of stuff and so the pandemic certainly has caused a lot of people's mental health just to kind of deteriorate 
um, but none more, nonetheless, none more so than black people and their mental health has, you know, deteriorated greatly during the pandemic. And then with the George Floyd killing and the protests afterwards have definitely helped spike um, our mental health a little bit. And it's something that we can't keep bottled up um, because it could end up hurting yourself, you know, emotionally, mentally, hurting those that you love around you, and just overall, it's not a, it's something that shouldn't be bottled up, um, especially those that are in the limelight very often, um, you see a lot of these professional athletes where you know, they may not have publicly said that they've been dealing with mental health issues, at least until now. Um, we can take the great Simone Biles, fantastic gymnast. Um, I'm going to bring up two cases of uh, two athletes going through kind of mental health blocks. Um, but first, of course, we're going to start with Simone because everyone knows that she's the greatest gymnast to ever have grace um, the sport of gymnastics. Nobody can or should argue that. She's the greatest gymnast, man or woman, to ever have graced the sport of gymnastics. Nobody can argue that. Um, Before the Olympics, of course, she had competed at the U.S. World Championships, I believe. Either the U.S. Championships or the World Championships, one of the two. Either way, she ended up winning because of the difficulty of degree of her moves. And so, you know, a lot of people say it's unfair because she's able to do them and other people not, which, I mean, that's sports and in general. Um, if you're able to do something that your opponent isn't, to, isn't able to, then that's not your fault. Um, but regardless, she went and took gold in the, at the World Championships or whatever. Um, and then the Olympics came around. And I guess she was doing a few practice runs or whatever in some of the events that she was going to 100% gold medal in. And she pulled out because, one, she came into the Olympics with basically the whole country on her back. Like, wanting her to do this, wanting her to win, and stuff like that. So the pressure of knowing that you have the whole country you know, watching you, you feel like you have that on your shoulders, um, to do this and to do that, and then it might be also something else that I saw or heard, that because of the, the difficulty degree of her moves, that she wouldn't be scored fairly, which I would believe, because, I mean, these are moves, she has so many moves invented, or named after her, that it, it if, she was able to flawlessly do those moves and the IOC would have been like, oh, well, we can't, we, we gotta score this perfectly, but that's just gonna make the competition seem unfair. Um, I don't know how much of that belief, that side I believe, but I definitely do believe that the weight of the country's shoulders, or the weight 
of, you know, the country on her shoulders, having, you know, to gold medal, do all this, got to her, and it was affecting her performance so much that there were videos of her, she was doing the vaulting part of things, um, she was doing bars, and she had the yips, um, where she just seemed uneasy, her mind and body weren't in sync, I mean, a lot of people, we go through that, um, and so... She just wasn't in sync. And, you know, she just was frustrated. She wasn't getting her mood. She just wasn't, her mind and body just weren't in sync. So she pulled out of, I think, six events, but managed to stay on for the beams because, you know, she basically stepped back, let her teammates, I guess, not carry the burden, but carry the load. And which they did. I mean, a lot of people that, I mean, I don't watch gymnastics like that. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that do. Um, but she had her teammates come and carry the load in some of those events that she was going to gold medal. Like the full routine went to Suni Lee, I believe. I'm pretty sure her Suni is not her first name, but I think it is Suni Lee. She went and had the all the all around gold. And then another teammate of hers got a gold in another event that Simone was supposed to gold medal. And so Simone, in that moment, felt a little bit better that the pressure wasn't on her. Her teammates stepped up. They know what she was going through. And she's glad that they came through and that she took time out. She ended up getting back on the beam, balance beam event and ended up getting bronze, which made her either tied her for the most gymnast with the gymnast with the most medals. I believe that is what she did was become the either she became the most decorated gymnast or she I think she became the most decorated gymnast with having nine individual gold medals, or nine individual medals. I mean, she had like four gold medals, two gold medals, something like that. So, you know, she had the weight of the whole entire country on her shoulders, and that was, you know, that's a lot to be carrying with that burden. So that's in the case of Simone Biles. Now we go to Miss Naomi Osaka. Um, if you heard, Naomi, she pulled out of the French Open for mental health issues. she Her mind and body wasn't focused. Um, and so I thought that was interesting. Okay, she pulled out, you know, she wasn't in sync, her mind and body wasn't in sync. Now here's the, the part that I hate, I hate criticizing a lot of black women. Like I don't criticize black women often, but this is the only critique I will have of what Naomi did. Naomi pulled out of the French Open because of mental health issues, okay? Um, she went and competed for her home country of Japan to play in tennis, but she ended up losing in the third round in tennis. And I think, like, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing to pull out of the French Open because of mental health, but it's like, if you knew, you kind of had a, a month going in that, like, you know the whole world's going to be watching you. So if you fuck up, then they're going to be on your ass. And that's essentially what she did. She messed up, got eliminated in the third round. And basically everybody was like, oh, you, you, you dropped out of the French Open for mental health. But you ended up turning around competing for the home country and then losing in the third round. It's like, pick your poison. And so that's that's the only critique I have is that is that she may or may not knew that she would get you know cr- criticized for that, 
and she just didn't care or you know it's it's that type of sort of thing but regardless mental health is is a big big stigma amongst black population Um, just like with vaccine hesitancy which is still very rampant even with the COVID-19 shots out and with the you know Food and Drug Administration or the FDA more than likely going to authorize you know the vaccine to be fully released it's a in its emergency release it has been for since December um I'm I don't know if a lot of black people are gonna end up getting that but the mental health toll that a lot of black people have is because of the past obviously so much you know tragedy and uh, atrocities that occurred in the past in this country have very very negative negatively impacted black people in, in this country and so black people we deal with anxiety depression um I know some there's some veterans that have PTSD matter of fact my uncle um who was a Vietnam vet uh served in served in the army US army Vietnam got probably got back home and was probably treated the same way as when he left like shit um even though he served a country to fight in a war that nobody wanted to fight in, he ended up serving the country. <clears throat> All the shit that he saw had to do over there, I'm sure fucked with his mental toll a lot. Um, and he didn't receive the help that he should have as other Vietnam, maybe some other Vietnam vets did receive, um, which is, is absolute bullshit. And, you know, he, you know, he, he got through, he seemed pretty normal in his interactions when I would talk to him most of the time, um, just seemed fine. I'm sure there was something that was eating at him though that said otherwise he wasn't fine. And so mental health definitely plagues the black community as much as people would like to think it does. Just because we've had so much of the past that's still going on and we're still being affected by it that, um, mental health it get it eats at us man um even you know it's anxiety is probably the bigger thing that affects the black population more um just because there's so much going on in the country you know with the pandemic um the eviction referendum which got extended to through the end of October but it's like you know the job market is gaining in a sense but not really um some other things that affect it is you know getting jobs that you know we seem to be qualified for but you know would be underqualified for it or overqualified for it in some most cases and just not getting that job and so you know a lot of the time it's just it's so much that's going on in the country that's been affecting us that it's affecting our mental toll a lot. Athletes, celebrities, um, doctors, a lot of those 
higher ups of black people for the black population have all came out and said this is the mental health that they deal with um, as much as we like to focus on you know white people and, and mental health black people and mental health is also a, a huge thing that needs to be focused on <clears throat> and it largely gets ignored dismissed and in a sense it's it hurts the overall goal that of trying to reach is trying to get everybody on the same page mental, mentally and emotionally wise. Um, because there's a lot of things that affect us. Um, work, relationships, um, overall outlook, I guess, on life. And it just takes a toll on us. It beats us, it beats us down every day. And some days we, you just don't feel like wanting to try to fight back. You just want to just let it all overwhelm you. And in some cases, uh, you know, I don't know what the suicide rates are for amongst black people. I know it's fairly decently high amongst the white people. I do know that a lot of black trans, their suicide rate has been skyrocketing since last year. And it's it's something it's very alarming and something that needs to be kept um, an eye kept on. But I think more importantly too is the mental health of a lot of school children, a lot of kids in school, from elementary all the way to high school. Specifically in that high school range, you know, black kids' mental health just it's up there. You know. Um, it's so important, and I feel, feel like it gets ignored a lot for whatever odd reason. <clears throat> and so, it, it, it needs to be addressed, emphasize how important that this type of mental health is, is addressed because it needs to be addressed. It needs to have, it needs to be shown the same due diligence as as a white person with mental health problems. Um, like it, do, it doesn't need to be just a single course thing where we're just going to focus on this one person and then we'll get to this one instead of equally addressing both people that are going through the same problems, same mental health problems and all that. And it's just something that should be addressed. And, um, you know, the more we address it and do something about it, the more, I guess, we as a country kind of start eliminating that stigma of mental health among black people and get get us the help that we deserve you know we've done so much for this country you have to put up with so much bullshit with this country and we're, we're getting tired and it, it's draining us emotionally mentally and everything else and so you know, the more, the quicker we address that and do something about it, I think, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the end-all solution, but it'll definitely help out with some of those problems later on down the road. Um, just because it's, it's something, it's, it's just important. That's, it's an important thing to me, um, as I've expressed before in couple episodes about 
mental health and kind of making sure you're okay. Um, and so that's that's something that I feel needs to be addressed. Um, we're gonna take a break to just kind of recollect my thoughts a little bit more. Um, you guys definitely stick around for this uh, ad slash sponsory by who other than Anchor Podcast because I haven't gotten anyone else to sponsor me yet. The year's not over with. I've got plenty of time to get sponsored by someone. But yeah, you guys stick around and listen to this sponsor by Anchor Podcast. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Sophisticated Black Men Podcast, where I tackle the hot button topic issue of mental health among black people and how, you know, it's, it's, it's still a stigma that needs to be broken that we can't talk about our mental health. And I'm not afraid to, I guess, break that mold or that stigma to say that I am somebody that does suffer from mental health problems. Um, I do have anxiety. Um, I would say I have functioning anxiety for the most part. Um, but there are some days where anxiety, you, if somebody were to come up to me in the street and look at me would think that I'm not anxious, but anxiety doesn't always have a face on it. It's, uh, it's an internal thing. Um, you know, sometimes I'll do some things like randomly tapping my foot, um, just kind of stuff that's very internal. I've had times where I've been so anxious um, that I'll have like a mini panic attack that a lot of people can't see, but it's happening and, you know, just my brain's going a thousand miles an hour because I have so much on my mind. Um, matter of fact, this week is going to be very anxiety. I'd say for the next month, uh, I'm going to be very, very anxious um, with moving, moving away from home, um, which for the most part, I, I, I think <clears throat> that's something as the move date gets closer and closer that I eventually will know that in situations it could be worse instead of me being like three and a half hours away from home I could be five hours plus away from home um and all of that but even the mood the 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 idea of me moving out of my hometown out of my house into a brand new place to a brand new place is um is, is, is my anxiety is at an all-time high right now. I don't think I've been this anxious since the, the passing of my father, and that's saying a lot. Um, so my anxiety is at an all-time high right now with trying to get everything situated and moved. And then starting a new job in a brand-new profession. I mean, I've been in education before, but I'm going to actually be in a classroom teaching students. 
And that in and of itself has has also caused my anxiety to go up. Um, Just because I'm going to be brand spanking new, have no clue what I'm doing, going to be nervous as hell, feel like I'm going to be failing or that I would fail. Because that's just where my mind is at. And it's, it's, I hate it a lot that I'm anxious. That my level of anxiety is where it's at right now. Um, but it makes me human to say how I'm feeling. And to put the thoughts that are going through my head. And it, it, makes, me, it makes me feel a little bit better. Just because... Once those yips get out of the way of the first three days of school, and then the first three days of practice, and just getting settled in to my new place um, will help ease some of that anxiety a little bit. Um, And then it's the thought of I'm getting my own place, renting an apartment that I've never done before. I've stayed in a dorm for a semester um, where I had a roommate for the first two months of the semester and then he ended up I guess he didn't leave school but he ended up staying at somebody else's apartment on campus and so I was basically alone um, in my dorm room which was fine because I was able to kind of do what I needed to do Um, was able to focus on homework a little bit better and that type of stuff and so I'd live, I live. I have experience of living on my own, but now this whole thing is of I have rent, water, you know, electric, internet, and all that to pay for. And my anxiety with that is that you know my first month rent is due when I move in, but because of the current job that I'm at, and I haven't started my school teaching job yet. My anxiety is there because, oh God, I'll have to, I, you know, because I've, I've emailed my apartment place. Hopefully they understand that I'm coming brand spanking new into town. I haven't started my teaching job yet, and I won't get my first big paycheck until the beginning of September. Um, <clears throat> and so, basically, I'm thinking, will they evict me within my first month of my new job? And that has me so very nervous because I told them I would be able to pay my rent as soon as my last paycheck from my current job that I'm at because this is my last week in my current job. And so we get paid next Friday. And just the anxiety of trying to do that is, 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 it's, it's in my head right now. Um... Which I'm hoping, once I get into a groove of, you know, just making money, you know, doing what I'm supposed to be doing, all this, that all that will subside. I can calm down, gather my thoughts, and just be at ease. And then, I guess, the other part of that anxiety is that I'm, you know... I have so many of my friends up here, for the most part. I have most of my friends are still up here, and just weirdly being away from them also 
um, rises that anxiety, but kind of also puts a little bit of depression in there. Um, I do also suffer from depression. It isn't manic depression where I have episodes of a fit, but it is depression where my energy can be up at sometimes and then be low at sometimes. Um, so definitely anxiety and depression in this last week is is something just because of so many bonds that I've formed um, at least over the last five years and just to kind of up and move all of a sudden um, it's definitely making me very anxious and my depression is you know creeping up But I know that, you know, it's not like I'm going to be another state away. Um, You know, I'm just a three and a half hour drive up the road. Um, And that I know I'll have breaks at times during the school year. And they kind of know that this is the right thing that I'm going to be doing and you know because otherwise I'd be stuck up here being miserable working a dead end job that I didn't like instead of you know going off and finding doing something that I'm passionate about so I have solace in that that they understand that um That, uh, that eases it a little bit. Um, <clears throat> so there's the, the anxious and a bit of the depression part. Um, and then the, the more depressing side of this is that um, I'd probably say yesterday um, was the one of the more worst instincts. I wouldn't even, I think it might have been an episode of depression that I've gone through this year. Um, I most certainly don't think it'll be the last, but it was, it was probably one of the more um, I guess deeper pits of not pits, that's makes it even worse. Deeper I don't know. It was more a, a, a long, more long, longer episode of um, depression. Um, just because there's a lot of things in my life that I know they're going on the right path, professionally wise, um, but relationship wise, it you know I. It's it's definitely a struggle there, relationship-wise. Um, to which it's most most of it is my fault, and I am a man enough to admit that most of the time it is my fault, and majority of the time I don't mean it to be. It is because I've been through a hurt before. 
when it comes to being in love in a relationship. And to where I kind of poured my heart and soul into that relationship. And, you know, had one little disagreement one day and it, you know, where everything just went south, everything went to shit. And it ended up fucking with my mental toe, very much so. Um, I am, I, I would still think, I would still like to believe I am a person that believes in love. Um, but because that relationship, how it ended, fucked with my mental toe and everything else that, um, it's, it's made it hard to try to keep a sustainable relationship just because I show up and do the mayor minimum because even if I do go out and do, do more than the bare minimum, um, that, that my, that thought just creeps back up in my head. Like I've done more than a bare minimum. Why is, why is the relationship any how it is? And that's, you know, that's been the main cause of a lot of, of my depression. Um, it's because I've given my all before in one relationship and it ended badly and I've done the bare minimum in other relationships and it it didn't sustain and again I'm a man to say that that is my fault um and I know and I know I, I know it I want it to change and I think it will um, it's just somebody told me that it's something that getting over that trauma of doing everything in that relationship and then having it go to shit so quickly. Um, can help kind of steer me back on that path to where I do believe, you know, a person I do end up with, that I'll madly fall in love with them, have my future with them raise kids and eventually retire on my homestead that will have a bunch of undercover bunkers um, that the government won't be able to see just in case an event where the government does come knocking on my door and I have to defend my homestead um, that may like that may have seemed like something of a weird tangent that I just went off to but that is a part of you know what I think my future holds at least my future home, which I probably will discuss in another episode here coming up. Um, but yeah, I do suffer from de- for suffer from depression, which mostly stems from trying unsustainable relationships that were I was at fault of. But knowing that I'm a human being and I can definitely work from that and do a little bit better from that. And then I think the last really big mental health issue that I have it's a very common thing in a lot of veterans it's been a common thing in veterans since really World War One when it was first known as shell shock um because on the trenches of World War One some you know artillery was just landing around troopers and they were just shell shocked they had seen so much heard so much done so much that they were 
out of the zone, essentially. And they weren't focused on reality. You know, they had something trigger them that would have them think and go back to that time in World War One. And then the same thing in World War Two, where that term post-traumatic stress disorder was coined. And now a lot of users or, you know, a lot of people are now diagnosed with that. I, myself, am one of those people that I've been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. And it doesn't always have to be, you know, a war thing, you know, serving in combat. It could be from a car accident, really any type of accident, or the sudden death of a family member, anything like that. And in my case, that's where my PTSD is from, is the very sudden passing of my father, um, in which I'm, this is, this is, um, may get a little dark here, I'm not sure, but, um, I do, I, I always distinctly remember that day. Just getting out of the shower after closing at Domino's. Getting up, getting in the shower. Just laying down, resting my eyes for a little bit. And then I hear my brother call my dad's name. I walk in there. And just see vomit on his pillow. It was unusual vomit too. It was very darkish green. And... Kind of saw my dad's eyes were a little bit rolled back into his head. Kind of. They weren't like comically rolled back into his head, but I, you can just kind of see. Um, and there was a little bit of what looked like saliva coming out of his mouth. Um, and... It's something that I replay over and over in my head. Just that. Just. Just that image alone. Because um, people with PTSD. Sometimes it's an image. Sometimes it's a whole event. That people. Can distinctly and visually remember. Um, that it triggers. A lot. And so. Sometimes I'll just go off into instances where I kind of forget that I'm staring at something and I'm not focused. And that image, that visual just pops in my head every time. And it's it's not even instances of where it's long periods of staring. It may be three to five seconds where I'm staring and just not paying attention. And I'll just kind of snap back to reality. And so, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder is, it's a big thing. It's, I think most, if not all of my family has it. I think my brother is hit the hardest with it because he had to go through everything, to do everything, to try to revive him, using CPR and stuff like that, that I know it's taken a huge mental toll on him 
he has his ways. A lot of people have ways of dealing with it. Um, in my way of kind of just using video games to decompress, um, sometimes I like to go to the shooting range. is an awesome way to decompress that. Um, and he has his way of smoking marijuana, um, which I maybe not as often, but you know as a constant thing, I don't think it helps you really decompress a lot. I think it just adds on to everything that's going on. And so, PTSD, mine may be minor, but I definitely go through the same things a lot of other people do. So, a lot of a lot of those post-traumatic stress disorder go through. And so, I think I've been man enough to kind of admit at least on air of my mental health problems my struggles with anxiety depression and PTSD that even talking about it now I feel a little bit more relieved about everything going forward with this week I know that the anxiety and depression are still going to creep there, especially the anxiety. But I feel better knowing that I talked it out to a bunch of strangers, to a bunch of my friends, to a bunch of my family, um, to let them know that I'm, I'm going to be okay and kind of glad that they have my back, that they're a part of my support system. Um, because I think that's that's a very big thing to have is a great support system behind you during these times. Um, excuse me. So I'm very thankful for the great support system that I have now, that I have established here, and the one that I <clears throat> will hopefully have established in Charleston. Um whether it be from the school, um, you know, school administration, the district, and so forth. And then some mutual friends that I know down there that could help me out, definitely. And just knowing what I'm be able to do and stuff like that. And then the beach as well. It's definitely something that's going to be added of something I can use to kind of decompress. So... Knowing that I have a bunch of those tools in my arsenal now, it makes me it makes me feel a whole lot better. Um, so I'm I'm very thankful for that, and um, I'm very thankful for all of those that are in my support system right now. Um, very well appreciative, and you know, I'm very thankful for you guys. So. We're going to take one more break um, to kind of wrap up this episode. And then, obviously, we're going to talk about what's going to go on in the next couple weeks as far as the podcast and everything else. So, um, you guys stay tuned for this other ad read brought to you by Anchor Podcasts. back 
to wrap up this week's episode of the Sophisticated Black Man Podcast, where um, it got, you know, it got a little deep, it got a little sad, but it needed to be aired out, Um, and I'm glad it did, because this was a topic that, again, that needed to be expressed and it just it was needed to be um just need to be aired out because of so much that was going on that's going on this this week um and for those that are suffering from any mental health Anxiety, depression, PTSD, other forms of mental health, you know, whether it's through from, you know, sexual assault, um, an accident, combat, whatever. Obviously, for those veterans, you have the VA, which the VA needs work. That's nothing new. People have known this. Um, but obviously, a lot of veterans can get help through the Department of Veteran Affairs, the VA. They can definitely help you with a lot of, you know, mental health problems that are going on. But for a lot of us that are go through an episode, um, mental breakdown, want to talk to somebody about their mental health, about suicidal thoughts, which I am not afraid to. Sh- just, you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I've gone through a couple of those. Um, you guys can always call the National, you know, Mental Health Hotline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255, which will definitely get you in contact with somebody in, in, in the case of a mental breakdown a mental health crisis, a mental health, need to speaking to a mental health counselor because that it's very important to get that help that you need to speak to someone that can help you get you to a crisis center, you know, get you treatment, um, get you to someone, you know, that has mental health, that is a mental health professional and get that much needed help for you um, because your mental health is important to you. And it's important to everyone around you as well. It helps to find who you are, getting getting the help that you need. So feel free to call that hotline. Again, if you need it, it's 1-800-273-8255. And that will get you all the mental health, um, mental health help or assistance that you need. So, you guys know I'm moving, I'm moving this Saturday, so six days from now. Um, So I'll be moving Saturday, come back home Saturday night and spend my last day here Sunday. However, I won't record an episode next Sunday because I will be getting settled in, excuse me, settled into my apartment. You know, going full go, boots on the ground, uh, getting it out the mud, 
as my boy Kevin Gates would say, and going full tilt for the first week of school. Um, and so after that first week has settled in a little bit, of course, um, probably that first Sunday in my new apartment, I will record an episode. And I think the, the next episode will be a bit happier one. I'll go on a bit happier, lighter tone. I think what I'm going to talk about, I'm going to get a little bit nerdy. I think I'm going to, I'm going to get a little scientific Scientific in the sense of like aliens, extraterrestrial shit that's out in the universe. That type of science instead of like medicine and all that shit. That'll be safe for another episode. So I, I don't hold me to with this, but not next week, not next Sunday recording, but the Sunday after that. So the 22nd, two weeks from now, um, I will probably get, we'll get a little swifty um, and talk about extraterrestrials, the universe, um, aliens, that type of shit, that type of science. So, um, definitely stay tuned for that and I will keep you guys updated on how everything goes. So that ends this episode. I appreciate you guys for listening and understanding everything that I'm going through as a human being, but more so as a black man. Um, this has been this week's episode of the sophisticated black man podcast. I am Jamar Burke, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Wow. Jeez. Let's try that again. I'm Jamar Burke, a.k.a. your friendly neighborhood black man. And this has been the Sophisticated Black Man Podcast. I'll see you when I see you. Peace out. <laughs>